Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. My assignment today is to talk about the pearl of great price, Matthew 13.45. Is it getting flashed up? So Jesus told this parable as one of three to describe the kingdom of heaven. It tells of a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. When someone seeks, they either go from somewhere, their home, to somewhere else. It involves being or going on a journey. And just to break away from that for a minute, we are on a journey as well. We are seeking And Jesus came to us on a journey as well. He left heaven, he left his glory behind and came to earth seeking to find those that needed him, those that were lost, those that needed salvation. (coughs) I'm not sticking to the script here, I know I'm not, because this is what happens when you get up here. Um, So anyway... uh, I'm sure we've all been seekers after something beautiful, maybe to give us a gift. I often tell the shop assistant that I'll know the object when I see it. You know when you go into a shop and they'll say, what can I I help you? What are you looking for? And often I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for a gift. And so I'll often say, I don't know, but I'll I'll know it when I see it. So... Um, sometimes busy and it's a shame, but I've seen it, often clueless men will send their daughter or their secretary <laughs> to buy their wife a gift. <laughs> my dad used to do that with us. Um, used to send my sister and I to buy my mum a gift. So we would actually look for something that we knew we would inherit one day. <laughs> so others just troll the internet from the comfort of their living room. And you know, when I was thinking about this, I remembered 2 Chronicles 16.9, which tells us that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro to show himself strong towards those whose hearts are loyal to him. That gave me a picture of the father, you know, with the great big giant internet, (laughs) the earth, just trawling with his eyes to find those that needed him, those that uh, would show themselves loyal to him. And it's not that we do that. He does that in us by his Holy Spirit. So our Heavenly Father is a seeker with WWW access to the earth where nothing escapes his gaze And there's another thing I've got to tell you now that uh, Alison yesterday, uh, that was just such an incident that happened yesterday. I was walking along with my friend in Largs and the phone rang and it was Alison and she was trying to check something out with me um, about uh, the, the Gospel of John. And so, you know, I just answered her and we chatted and then my friend said, who's that? So I said, oh, it's Alice, and she's in our church, you know, and, and she's keen to, to learn as much as she can about the Bible. 
And my friend said, I think that's amazing, Francis, that somebody in your church would, would actually phone you up, you know, a Saturday afternoon, and, and there she was phoning you up about the Bible. So we never know. I mean, the father, I'm sure, was smiling and saying, that's my girl. You know, you're on assignment, though you didn't even know it. We don't know when we're on assignment because it seems so natural. <clears throat> That's just a wee aside. So like the earth, where nothing escapes his gaze, like the merchant, he is willing to invest his all to obtain what he considers of great value. That's why 2,000 years ago, according to Luke 19.10, he sent his only son from heaven, where he shared his father's glory, to the earth in human form, to seek and save that which was lost. That's us. How many remember being as lost as a goose in a blizzard? I remember that well, but I didn't know I was lost. I thought... <laughs> I thought I was quite wise, because I always loved to read and learn new things, and um, you know, we'd have these intellectual discussions, or we'd sort the world. And I look back on that now, and I could cringe, especially if somebody says, do you know, I always remember you saying, and I sometimes quote you, and I actually could hide when they say that, because I knew that I talked a load of rubbish before I knew the Lord. So anyway... <laughs> The, like the merchant, the father gave all he had to purchase the pearl. Remember, it describes only one pearl. Now, that was a, a dealer in pearls, but Jesus spoke of only one pearl, the pearl of great price. And that speaks to me of how the father sees us individually, just like I'm looking at all of you now, all of you that I consider just such wonderful people. Here in this church, together with me, there's nobody, nobody I'd rather worship with than you guys. I've come to know each of you individually, and I, I just understand how much the Father loves you, um, and he's called you here, he's drawn you, you know, here to this place, as he drew me. Um, <clears throat> so it's one pearl and this pearl was a priceless pearl. And the merchant, as the story tells us, as Jesus tells us, sold all he had. He invested everything he had to have this pearl that was beyond price. And that made me think again about the human soul and how uh, we were made. And we are like designer souls. Because what, you know, designer goods, as, as you know from, well, just from the world, they cost an arm and a leg. <laughs> Anything designer is a kind of unique thing, not mass produced. And so each one of us is a designer soul that God made according to a unique pattern. We can't be repeated. And so therefore, we are priceless in his eyes. And that's why today in the green room we were praying about um, 
Pauline was praying about breaking her heart for the things that breaks the Lord's heart. And suddenly into my mind came um, <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. And at first I thought people that have lost, you know, been bereaved and certainly does include them. But I later found out that mourning, there are people who mourn over just what breaks the Lord's heart. It causes them to mourn. And that the Lord is close to people like that and says that he'll comfort them. And we know that we have the comforter. And I mean, we've often said, oh, just mourn over this or I mourn. But it's people that um, the Lord mourns over and some of his people mourn after the people that need him so much. <clears throat> so and that's why when there's no greater buzz, no greater joy than somebody being saved. There's nothing, nothing like it to know that that's another soul, you know. And so mourning turns to rejoicing then, you know. So anyway, um, <coughs> let me see where I am here. It describes only one pearl. That's because salvation is an individual thing. Now, Jesus, according to John 10, 30, is one with the Father, the Father's direct representation. Why did Jesus use a pearl in this parable? Well, when I consulted Google, <coughs> about pearls, I learned that a pearl begins life as something most unlike itself. It doesn't begin life as a beautiful thing at all. It could be a parasite or a grain of sand that has made its way into the oyster shell. There it becomes an irritant to the oyster, which just can't ignore it and in fact tries to expel it from the shell. When this fails, the oyster secretes a milky substance called nacre, N-A-C-R-E. I tried to find out how to pronounce it, but I think it's nacre which covers the irritation, paralyzing it with each covering. So the object then is transformed into something absolutely stunning, absolutely beautiful, um, that the, the oyster can share its shell with then. And it's completely different and very, very beautiful from how it started. By the time the process is over, the pearl has been made within the oyster shell. So two words stood out to me when I read this. It was suffering, the irritation caused to the oyster, and covering. And right away I thought suffering and covering just describes Jesus. He suffered for us and he covered us with his blood. He suffered throughout his body on the cross and poured out his blood to cover us. He was, con he was considered worthless. Think of that. He was considered worthless as we sang in the first song, an object of ridicule and scorn. And as his blood flowed over us, we became valuable and beautiful in God's eyes. This is, it's an inner thing. And to, to really know that, to really believe that, that's the journey we're all on. 
Now, while the pearl is hidden in the dark oyster shell at the bottom of the sea, its value can't be recognised. But when the pearl fishermen bring in their haul, the oysters are open to reveal their hidden treasure. You know, Jesus' side was opened, and the blood flowed from that. It's just, when, when Jesus tells a story or gives a parable, you don't just follow it from beginning to end and one thing leads to another. It's multi-dimensional, multifaceted, just like a diamond. You see it one way, then you see it another way and it speaks to you one way and it speaks to you another way. So that's because we've got the Holy Spirit. Because in the days when he told this, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, so they could only, they were one-dimensional, they saw it in one dimension. But with the Holy Spirit, we see it in so many dimensions. So, <clears throat> I'm just, uh, so we are those precious pearls who must, as Christians, live in the light, allowing the Father to show himself strong towards us. Now, again, we sang about light as well. None of, none of this was, except for the communion song, none of this was pre-planned. It just seems to fit in. Um, and so living in the light is so important. <clears throat> the devil likes to put thoughts of being of no value into our mind. He cannot see our value, so he's prepared to steal, kill, and destroy us as he sees us as a potential threat. On the other hand, Jesus was sent to bring us into a more abundant life, John 10.10. 10. I'm just going to ask you now just to put your hand up if you think that already on your journey, Jesus has brought you into a more abundant life. Look at the hands. I mean, I could put two hands up. In so many ways, not just in one way. Well, as we've heard already, the Father shows himself strong on behalf of his precious ones, whereas the devil only wants to show him strong, himself strong against us. See, the Father's for us, the devil's against us, wanting to steal, kill, and destroy us. Just as I'm sure that the merchant would place his precious peril in a safe place, or at least in safe hands for safekeeping, we are placed in the safe hands of the wonderful Holy Spirit. I can't even say the Holy Spirit without saying the wonderful Holy Spirit, because I know how wonderful he is. And, and I mean, yesterday, here's just an example. Yesterday, Jim and I, we, we had made up this, uh, made this decision um, when we went to the new house that we would spend every morning in prayer together and uh, reading the Bible together, which we've done. But yesterday, and it was, it was so unexpected, I said something, and it seemed to me that Jim wasn't listening. And... And so he said something, and I said something, and one thing led to another, and we were at each other's throats with the Bibles open in front of us. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me telling that, Gemma. Your face is as red as a beetroot. You can see it from here. But anyway, 
So I banged the Bible shut and said, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. This is terrible. Look at the state of us. And then all of a sudden, the pair of us just started to repent, ask forgiveness. Sorry, Lord. So sorry. We can't believe that we've done this. With the word open in front of us, just can't believe it. And then we, we felt the peace and we started again. But it just shows you, you know, you think you know people. You think, because I'm up here giving this word, you think, <laughs> well, I don't know what you think. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it just shows you that the enemy is always lurking to see what he can destroy. He wants to destroy your peace. He wants to steal your faith. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to kill you. That's his best game, to kill you. We've only got one defense against that, and that is Christ, who came to give us life. So, So anyway, uh, I'll move on here if I can. (laughs) Yes, Christ came to lead us into the light. He's the exact representation of the Father. On the other hand, the devil exposes us to the culture of godlessness through lies and deception, telling us to follow the ways of the world. Now, not everything in the world is dark, because God created the world, but the prince of this world, and he's not a king, never think that he's a king. He's only the prince of this world, the demonic prince of this world. He wants to turn the world into a very dark place. And we've only to, well, we we know that from opening up the papers, opening up the news, opening up the internet. We know that darkness is covering the earth as much as ever at this time. Um, And people are suffering. And so people, again, many times people will say, how could God allow this? How could God do this? Because we are listening to the wrong voice. We're following the wrong philosophies. And we only have one rescuer, and that is Jesus. So the ways of the world, and I'm guilty of telling my daughter, you know, I wanted them to to go out and be successful and enjoy their, their young life and go to the dancing and, you know, have fun the way I did. And so I... I remember Myrie telling me um, I had, uh, she was out at the local nightclub and she came back and she said, I did not enjoy that. And I said, well, what could be wrong with that? You know, you're with your friends. And she said, do you want to sit down and I'll tell you? And she described this local nightclub. I'm telling you, I, I, I felt as though I wanted to go and burn it down. You know, with what was going on inside that nightclub. But here's me and all my innocence. So sometimes we can wander into the wrong places in innocence because we don't know. We've got to be as wise as we can. And that, where does that wisdom come from? Not the world. The world promotes that other kind of wisdom, worldly wisdom, which is absolute foolishness. But we have to be wise in the things of God. God is the one that tells us through this wonderful Holy Spirit, don't go there, don't go there. Leave now, run away, don't go there. Don't say that. 
you know. He's so gentle, but it's that gentle voice that you can't ignore. <clears throat> That's just a wee aside. So, but one day, Jesus will come again like the pearl fisherman and gather us up and take us home. By his death and resurrection, he has unlocked the gates of heaven. And it's no coincidence that those gates are made of giant pearls, as Revelation 21, 21 tells us. There are 12 of them, and each one is made of one giant pearl. To me, they represent Christ and his suffering and death to cover us with his unique blood, as well as the resurrection, which unlocked the gates, and we were able to rise with him and enter in. Sprung the, the, the locks, that's what I've written here. We're already seated with Christ in heavenly places, according to Ephesians 1 verse 3. So from now on, as newly formed pearls of great value, Paul instructs us in 2 Corinthians 5.16 not to regard anyone, even Christ, from a human perspective. And that's what we do because we're human. But we have to remember that we are seated like those pearls in heavenly, hidden in Christ. It's a strange concept that to get your head round but that's where, we, that's where we really are. We're living our lives out in, on this earth, but our real home is with him in heaven. And we get to be there with him. It's this wonderful, wonderful mystery. And some, that's sometimes the perspective we've got to have. We've got to get that bird's eye view of life playing out on earth. Sometimes we are suffering, but as I listened to somebody from uh, Ukraine last night, he said he never asked God why. He asked God, what for? What are you doing in, the, in this? And that's where we need to get our answer from that heavenly place where um, we know in our spirit, our spirit man informs our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions and we go through lots of emotions where we can't help that. But that's the human side of us. But we've got to see a different perspective from our emotions show us. And that's where uh, being seated with Christ comes in. Many regard him, and we know this, merely as a man. He came, oh, certainly he was a good man. We'll even give you that he was a prophet, but they think that he died, never to be seen again. And I just get page four now. <laughs> Although conceding that he was a better man than most, neither can we remain neutral towards Jesus. We can't remain neutral because in Matthew twelve twenty, he says, Jesus says, he who is not for me, is against me. So we, we can't take up a neutral position. And that's again where, looking at all of you sitting here, none of you are neutral. You've not taken up a neutral position because you wouldn't be here if you had. 
you know, and, and that must give the Lord great joy to see that. And some of you have come here, you just don't know how you got here. That's what I was like. But he was leading you here. Or whatever church you found your home in, for whatever season, you were led here. You were led to that place. Pastor Bernie often talks about the place called there. I'll never forget that place called there because I think it's very important. We can wander, humanly speaking, into many places, but Jesus wants us in that place called there that he has set aside for us where he knows that we'll belong and where he knows that the Holy Spirit will mentor us, will, will cause us to come into maturity, a place of growth and abundance you know, and, and we will all knit together. <clears throat> we don't have to strive to become valuable to God. We already are. He sees us as perils, not parasites or irritants. That's how the devil sees us. The devil sees us as parasites and irritants. We irritate him. You know, <laughs> and sometimes because we irritate him, he'll, he'll send something to whack us, <laughs> to swat us out the way. But we're stronger than that in Christ. And you get that you can see, you, can, you know when, it's, when he's, he's um, at it. So <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19 tells us that we were not redeemed by silver or gold, which perishes, but by Christ's precious blood. So back to the peril when you think of that covering. We were covered by that precious blood. And even thinking of the, of the meal, the communion meal, we belong to the United Kingdom, so we sing God Save the Queen. But we don't get to eat a meal with the Queen. But in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, we sing, certainly we do, but we also get to eat a meal with him because he instituted that. He said that's what we were to do. It's a covenant meal. And it says every time we eat that meal with him, we're saying, I belong to you and you belong to me. We're in covenant and my concerns are your concerns and your concerns are my concerns. That's what covenant means. So our souls were individually designed by the great designer, and they are beyond price. They are unique and very precious to God. We were designed in heaven, but had to be bought back from the thief here on earth at an exorbitant price. So we are twice his since he created us and then redeemed us from the enemy's captivity. And here I, I did come across a story of a wee boy who made a red boat, he painted it red, and he went to the pond and sailed his wee boat in the pond, but the boat got away from him and some bullies came and took the boat away. And later he saw his boat sitting in a second-hand shop window so he went in and he said, that's my boat. And the guy said, well, you'll need to pay for it because it, it costs five pounds. 
Well, the wee boy went home and raided his piggy bank, and that's what he had, five pounds. So he came back, and he bought his boat back. And he cuddled that boat as he walked down the road with it, and he said, I made you, and now I've bought you, so you really are mine. And that's what Jesus did. He bought back what was really his own, but he didn't mind paying, paying through the nose, paying over again. <clears throat> so, in the parable, the merchant was a seeker, and we know that the father is a seeker, but are you a seeker? Who is your peril? Is it Jesus or is it what the world has to offer? And I have, I've been through that situation where it was what the world had to offer. I thought, I thought that my money was my own, what I earned was my own, and, and I just gave what I considered was a bit into the, into the plate. Probably I spent as much as I could first and then I gave what was left. I'm just owning up to that. But when I met with Christ, when I met the Lord, something amazing happened to me. I no longer felt poor. I had always that poverty mindset that I needed to guard everything. Some, suddenly I became more generous. I became detached from money. And not that I, I don't think you have to be responsible. You have to be responsible. You have to carefully steward what's been given to you. But now, it, it wasn't me that earned my money. It was a gift. And my job was a gift because I loved my job. And I just saw that as a gift as well. Um, so again, is it Jesus or is it what the world has to offer? Are you willing to give up your securities or the things that make you feel good? And again, I could feel that tightening inside of how I used to be when people talked about giving up your securities. It's the same when they say, we're fasting now. I, that same tightness comes inside because I'm unwilling. <laughs> but that's the work of the Holy Spirit as well, to make us to make us see things from a different perspective. In fact, we become investors, investors in that you can't buy your salvation. You can't buy heaven. You can't buy Jesus. But you can invest in the work of the kingdom. You can invest in the, the Lord's work. And you can invest in his people, his precious people, just like the merchant one peril cost him all he had. So, <clears throat> money can't buy these things, but we can invest. So use your, your time and your resources to build up the church on earth according to its heavenly pattern. Give up relying on yourself. Where's five? Here it is. And begin to rely on him as your righteousness, your holiness, your peace, your provider, your protector, your counselor, your shepherd, your hope. Is there anything I've missed out, do you think, that God hasn't provided, that God hasn't given us? We're so used to relying on ourselves. 
but that leads to a very small life. Rely on him and he will open up, just as Pastor David talked about, a broad place. You come into a broad place from being in a narrow place. You do, you come into a broad place. Become a follower of Jesus and a seeker of precious souls, an agent of heaven. God uses and multiplies what we have in our hand. Offer him the best you can. Not to buy salvation or a place in heaven, but in response to what he has already so freely given to you. Because where your, and this is my favorite scripture, it changed me this, where your treasure is, this is Matthew 6, 21, there your heart will be also. Just think about that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is Jesus, that's where your heart's going to be. If, if your treasure is something else, you can't be wholehearted about Jesus if your treasure is somewhere else. But that's a process, and I'm still on that journey. It's a journey, it's a process. But he promises never to leave us, never to forsake us. He sent the amazing, wonderful Holy Spirit to be with us. And I remember when I, I was in school teaching, and I remember saying to the kids just that very thing, that, you know, your mum and dad have to leave you at the school gate, but God doesn't take that chance with you. He sends his Holy Spirit to watch over you. We're never alone the counselor, the shepherd, the protector, the pro he's with us. He is that overflowing presence. You know, again, give from the overflow. Don't give what you don't have in terms of wait until the Holy Spirit gets you to that place where you realize, yeah, this is my priority now. This is, you know, and he'll take you there. Trust in him. Because he is, he's closer than your breath. Uh, well, that, that was the offering. <laughs> the, off, the, the offering baskets will be coming. Um, one final word on the peril, which I hope you'll speak to some, will speak to someone's heart. A day or two ago, the Holy Spirit brought something to my memory. And this is what he'll do with you as well. This is what he does. More than 25 years ago, something pricked my conscience. Uh, I wasn't a Christian then. I thought I was, but I wasn't. And I decided that I hadn't prayed properly for a long, long time. So when everybody was in bed, I decided, right, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to do this. And I didn't want to pray formal prayers. So I wanted to just sit and talk to the Lord. And at first it was really awkward. I didn't know what to say. I hadn't a clue how to do that, what to say. I mean, I knew our fathers, Hail Mary's glory. I knew, knew these things, but just talking to him. Well, eventually I did get into it. And I can. this is what I remember. And I haven't remembered that all these years but he brought it to my mind the other day when we were driving in the car. All of a sudden, in my mind's eye, you could say, 
I had this vision. And it was, it was peach-colored pearls just descending down in front of my eyes. Just these pearls coming one after another, just floating down. And I remember feeling so relaxed, and I thought, that, where is this? This is wonderful. So eventually, my knees were so stiff that I had to get up and go to bed. So the next night, I got everybody off as soon as I could. And at that time, Jim used to go to bed quite early. I was a late night person. And I thought, right, I'm going to have more of this. Do you know it never happened? And it never happened again until the Holy Spirit reminded me of that time. And I thought, why are you doing that? Why are you reminding me now? And this is, this is what he seemed to say to me. <clears throat> I'll just I'll get the bit. Sometimes when you ask the Holy Spirit a question, the answer drops into your mind at the same time. I believe this was a vision of my future when I, I would come to see the value in the people of God who worship beside me in church. When we see others as God sees them, this is what the Holy Spirit was saying, we'll cover any offenses, any injuries, any irritations with love and acceptance. We won't see anybody as parasites. We won't have that demonic vision of people. We'll have that perspective from heaven. And we'll cover be able to cover them with love. Again, heavenly love. Jesus prayed to this effect in John 17, 20, that we who have followed him, a pearl of great price, because that's what he is. He is our pearl of great price. Through believing his word, he prayed. This is his own words for us that are sitting here now. May all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and that you have indeed, that you have loved them as you have loved me. I desire, Father, that those whom you gave me may be with me where I am. This is us. We're going to be with him in such a, a different way that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world has not known you but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. We all know that, don't we? And I have declared to, you, to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com, and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.